Pasta is an eight-figure e-commerce entrepreneur, innovator, and venture capitalist disrupting the e-commerce industry. After an initial career in health tech, Will went on to work for tech startups, building out sales strategy and marketing teams. While invested in the e-commerce industry, he found that most of the companies out there at that time were not set up for long-term success and saw a gap in the industry of a model that was there which could have been executed better along with his partner. Knew they could improve this model and leading them to create Ascend Ecom, an e-commerce automation agency and investment management company the only company in the industry capable of mixing up logistics wholesale distribution and e-commerce growth all into one with over 2 years in the business ascend e-com is a company comprising 400 plus clients two warehouses in dallas and 400 plus employees seasoned e-commerce professionals with over a decade of experience in tech logistics and operations generating over 75 million in revenue for their clients so this profile seems to be very interesting and i'm sure will is going to inspire all of us today this is the guiding voice podcast series the guiding voice for a better future friends i am your host navin samala just a fellow professional on a mission to make the world a better place to live through the guiding voice we drive conversations that matter conversations that add value to your life and to your career thank you so much for joining me and will how are you doing today i'm good thanks for having me i appreciate the warm intro all right so <laughs> pleasure to have you here and thanks for being part of our journey yeah thanks for having me i'm excited to be here will can you briefly share your career journey in terms of highlighting certain milestones in your career which led to creating your own company and establishing yeah, yeah. this venture yeah absolutely as as you alluded to earlier um i i start my, i started my career in the tech industry I was working for a lot of companies that were uh, I, i would say under 50 employees um on the smaller side uh which draws a lot of parallels to entrepreneurialism in the fact that you're going to run into curveballs left and right you're going to have one role but wear a thousand hats at once um you don't know what's around the corner kind of thing so it keeps it exciting and energetic uh that being said i did that for about 8 to 10 years sort of building out teams from the ground up um and working on the sales strategy marketing uh, everything associated with the, with the tech industry and implementing solutions for providers primarily in the healthcare space uh during that period of time i got involved in um in e-commerce fairly early on had my success and my failures uh my business partner and i were invested in a similar opportunity in the e-commerce space that's where we actually met and then we noticed about 2000 circa 2018 there was a lot of organizations popping up that were providing amazon businesses as an investment service mm-hmm. uh, which sounded great but then we started to peel back the layers of this these businesses and we realized that a lot of them were ineffectively executing so that led us doing a market test a market test as in literally investing in in three different so-called competitors of us now Yeah. Uh, and really just lifting up you know lifting up the hood and seeing what's going on and then unraveling all the inefficiencies um and filling and seeing what the gaps were and then taking that and saying hey we could do this better and that's where ascend uh, essentially was born is we mm-hmm. took a broken model uh with the mission to really legitimize the space of investing in an amazon business and turning it into a real asset class uh now we are just over 3 years as of february we're 3 years as an organization 
We've got uh, well over 600 clients. We've got two facilities in Dallas, um, two new JV partnerships, which mm-hmm. you didn't mention because they're fairly new. Uh, one in Florida, one in Michigan. Uh, we have direct to manufacturer relationships. So we essentially build out wholesale businesses that appreciate value for a large exit for investors and also generate passive income. Um, at the same time, uh, it's a performance-based partnership. And so we're there to essentially build out the business and then we're incentivized to grow to the degree of, of high success as much as we can with the client's capital yeah. because we share in that those net profits. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a true partnership in that sense. But that's where we're at today. And, and then on the side, uh, we have a, a business partner and I have a, a real estate portfolio in, in Southern California and Venice. Um, and we're, in, we're invested in a lot of different other opportunities globally. globally. Well, that's sort of where we stand today. Yeah, that's the, mm-hmm. high, the high level. That, that's quite inspirational. Like you started as a techie and then started uh, your own uh, e-com uh, business and yeah. also into real estate uh, venture, right? So, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, I'm also curious to understand what are the top three things that have attributed your success so far? Like what is your success mantra? Uh, that's, that's a tough question because I could probably answer it different each week, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, slightly different, like a different version of each one. Uh, I think what we're really good at is making gut decisions. We act quick. Um, it's a sort of a similar thing. If it, but say it's a strategic partner that you're looking at that you want to, that might help out the business. If we feel like it's right, we're not going to sit on that decision for months yeah. until we know it's a hundred percent needed. We'll just pull the trigger and implement it. Um, and yeah, we're not always right about that decision, but we have been right most of the time. And that's helped us accelerate and grow at a pace that um, has a reduction in growing pains as an organization that can get 700 clients in, in about three years. Mm. Um, there's that. There's also having transparent and integrity-driven business practices from the top. Uh, I think that as we pioneered that in this industry, which is something that any company should have, but believe it or not, not every company does have it. <laughs> Um, and so that has led to a lot of organic growth within our organization. Uh, and then on top of that, it's it's innovating. And that's a very widely used term. But having a mindset that is proactive and always looking about what is going to come and making your making you know qualitative and quantitative assumptions based on what the market's going to look like and where we should where we should position um, our businesses for that we manage for our clients. So they're going to be ahead of the pack when it comes down to Amazon's global expansion and or consumer trends changing, you sort of name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd say those are, are the three three big attributes that that are part of the success that's driven via Ascend. Mm. Awesome. So pick decisions and then transparency plus integrity-driven business process and innovation. I, I like the point yeah. in terms of understanding what is going to come, right? So it's more about... Yeah. Uh, envisioning and uh, seeing the unseen right that is where most yeah. of the successful entrepreneurs make their mark yeah yeah uh, absolutely all right so let, let now uh, please share with our audience the toughest lessons that you have learned in the entrepreneurial journey i, I don't want to i don't think it's a tough lesson mm-hmm. but i think it's it's an important lesson of which people will hear about it a lot but they don't really they don't fully believe it until they're they experience it which is the mantra of, of how failure is a form of education, um, which it truly is. Uh, and when you hit really, really big failures, you have to leverage that for parallel or just different opportunities on the line and grab the knowledge from that and, and make, because sh- a lot of it can be applicable in a different sense, right? 
So I take every, we take every kind of failure that we have. And, and even if it's not completely related to something down the line, what you learn from that, those failure, the failure or yours that you've had, uh, you take that and you use that as fuel um, in other business opportunities and other situations you're in to either mitigate the risk of more failure in other situations um, or improve upon success that you've currently had. Uh, so I think that's pretty important. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And uh, let's move ahead, uh, Will. So one other point uh, which I would like to you to cover is how to inculcate this business mindset as such. Because uh, if, if you are uh, working for someone, right, we are bound yeah. to get carried away with the day-to-day responsibilities and we don't yeah. get the sense of ownership of in terms of, okay, late, how do I understand the business? How sure. do I do the business? Yeah, yeah the business mindset. I, I mean, honestly, it's not something that just is going to directly come without without just throwing yourself in the mix. Mm-hmm. You can't just have it if you're going to be siloed in you know, the basic W2 position. Um, you have to go out there and fail and see where success might be, whether or not you've achieved it or not. It's really just throwing yourself in the jungle um, with, with no resources um, and pushing through. And that, that organically will develop and compound into a mindset that is more entre- entrepreneurial. Because an entrepreneurial road is I forgot who says this might be Ed Milet who says this. I think he he quoted something around this where it was pretty much talking about how the entrepreneurial road is dark. (laughs) There's a lot of potholes. There's, you know, twists and turns and, and a lot of uphill shit. And it's just not, it's not easy. It's not, it's dimly lit. Right. And then you, you work a W2 position and the one that's majority of people are on and and that's a well-lit path. You know exactly what you're going to get. And that's fine for some, but it's also not exciting, right? So with most risk comes comes more reward, right? Yeah. Um, and so to get that mindset, you need to just you need to make the left turn and go into that direction, um, into that dark, dim lit direction. And even if it's just a small piece at a time, that's going to sort of build upon your character to be able to to push through and have that kind of mindset that that you're looking to achieve. Hmm. Excellent. And uh, moving ahead, uh, Bill, uh, how do I identify opportunities and ups and downs in the way to succeed? Uh, within within Amazon, you're saying? Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah, within Amazon and uh, any, any opportunity you take, right? For example, Amazon yeah. is something which is supporting many small businesses. Let's pick that as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's data driven, right? Mm. At the end of the day, it's it's data driven, and then it's and on top of that is is how how low your logistics behind product sourcing, how much of an impact on your margin is that going to be? Uh, and then where are you get, where are you sourcing your products in terms of the data could say one thing, but you might have a direct source to a manufacturer, so that I can make the data that you have not exactly that accurate because it's going based off what, what it can be sourced from a public distributor that anyone can actually source it from. Right. And so at the end of the day, it is a, it is a mix of, of pulling seasonal data, predictive data, historical data that our clients have done when it comes down to products, um, search trends, what people are, what's trending, um, knowing what brands automatically will sell no matter what, what you can source it at. Uh, essentially what the working capital is, how much volume you can purchase, which is going to reduce your actual cost. What are the costs of, of supply chain beforehand? We do everything internal for our clients. And so we're not outsourcing our, our supply chain. 
that we keep our costs down, which means margins are high for clients. And so when we source products and we're looking at the data, we have a wider net we can cast for products just because the way that we're logistically set up, opportunity to sell products at a higher margin is more is is more available for our clients because how the infrastructure is. So like, like John Doe, who's not part of Ascend, who has an Amazon store, and Jane Doe, who's part of Ascend, they both could find the paper towels at a X amount per unit, right? But Jane Doe will not make a margin if she buys those just because she's using a third-party warehouse and she's getting it from a supplier of which pretty much that product went through two suppliers before it got to that supplier. And so the mar- and so the... <laughs> The, the product price is just more expensive and it just doesn't really line up where John Doe, on the other hand, is with Ascend and he gets it directly from the manufacturer, that same mm-hmm. product. Therefore, there's less hands in the pot. Therefore, the margins are higher. And then it's going through our supply chain, which the costs are wrapped in and reduced because we share in the profit. So we would never gouge our clients on the supply chain. And he can sell it at a 25% margin. Well, Jane gets away with a 3% margin. Those are the kind of things where that product research would be skewed if they both just looked into a platform and saw that product without knowing, without us doing it and knowing our backend and our connections of sourcing and all of that products that publicly look available to sell and have small margins will have higher margins with us simply because how we can source it and the logistics that are built behind it. Yeah, this is uh, a so fabulous conversation and I'm <laughs> loving every insight. In fact, uh, you're giving a true picture in terms of how to look at things uh, differently. And uh, yeah. now, now let's talk about the data part. Like, how do we yeah. leverage this historic data from the client performance to predict the new products and the moves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a mix of both. I, mm. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's going to have to also do with what the client is deploying into their business. How much capital do they have to put into their business for products? That's going to determine what kind of products we're looking at, whether it be products that are higher cost per unit for clients that have more capital. Or at the end of the day, it's also there's also the way to look at it where if the client has more capital, they are looking, we are opening the doors more to products that sell a lot more units, but they might have a lower margin because there's more capital, there's more, there's a higher capital ceiling. Uh, and so when we're putting all the data together, we're looking at again, what have our clients done in the last three years? What goes what sells year over year over year? What has a seasonal trend? What is what is it what is trending that's new? How are we sourcing it? Where are we sourcing it from? What does the competitive landscape look like? Who else is selling it? What is their health on their store in terms of the competitive landscape? And then we compile all that that data in an aggregate and we come out with pretty much a green light or a red light on whether or not that product should be purchased for profit and what this the predicted sell-through time and margin would be. That sounds very, very complex, and it is. <laughs> and there's a lot more layers to it than that, but I don't want to confuse your listeners. So mm-hmm. that's probably the, the the best I can explain it without being too confusing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this is all insightful conversation for sure. Uh, not at all boring. Yeah. And let's now talk about some actionable advice and tips and techniques on, in terms of how to start, run, and grow a businesses. Like maybe what based on your own experience, right? What are some yeah. of the actionable tips that you would like to share with my audience? Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking at it in a digital business, business space, mm-hmm. most of our clients are already financially comfortable. They're not all entrepreneurs, but they have they already have a financially comfortable portfolio, most of them, and they have capital, but they just don't really have time, right? And so where our service comes into play is we do it all for the client. 
they pay us a premium fee and they get to leverage everything that we have and we've built in our entire team. And we work on behalf of the client as the operational partners and strategy partners. And that's 99% of the actual business for them. And then we share in those profits. If you're someone who has a lot more time, that's a little bit different. There's still a ceiling on where you can scale on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So someone with, with enough time can start their own Amazon business, can be mildly successful, but there will be a point where they have to have a partner simply because you can't have, you need resources to be able to scale business to five figures a month in profit. And you can't do that out of your garage. And most likely with that kind of capital, you can't really do it with a third party um, logistics company based on margin, um, the margins getting sliced into. And so there's a ceiling for doing it yourself on Amazon. But at the end of the day, unless you have a lot of capital and a lot of time, <laughs> the best move is to find a partner in the space that can do mm-hmm. it on behalf of you and mm-hmm. you can share in that actual profit. On the other hand, there's a, there's other opportunities in the digital space. I mean, obviously, people can start businesses all over the place. There's Shopify, but that includes ads. And I can go down a rabbit hole of all the ways you can do it. It's high, highly competitive. And that's why what's attractive in this space is having an expert by your side. So you don't have to worry about all the failures and, and all that stuff because we've done it all. <laughs> and we've been in this industry for a decade. So we know exactly how to approach things. And if, if hiccups happen, we know how to to rectify problems. And we are ahead of the game when it comes down to Amazon policies, how they're evolving globally, all this stuff that would take hours and hours a day to keep up on if you were a self-investor with your self-business on Amazon, um, trying to start from scratch with little capital. So hate to be dark on that, but like it's just you can do it. But if you want to have a business that can that generates six figures a year in profit mm-hmm. or seven figures in revenue. Yeah. You need a partner or you need yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. One or the other. All right. So great conversation so far. So we'll, uh, let's add some spice to the episode. I'm going to kick off a quick mm. rapid fire round <laughs> with your consent. Go for it. All right. Let's uh, get into it. Uh, given a chance, would you prefer invisibility or mind reading? <laughs> Visibility. <laughs> okay. What would you do? After I don't know, but mind reading, I'd go, I'd go crazy if I was reading, if I was able to read minds. <laughs> I don't want to read minds. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. And and if you were a superhero, what would you do first? Uh, I would, if I was a superhero, I would end world hunger and provide clean water to everyone. Wow, such a noble thought. Wonderful. <laughs> and I wish you become a superhero one day. <laughs> Can you describe yourself in just one word? Ambitious. Ambitious. Wonderful. And what is something you could eat for a week straight? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to give me stumped here. You're going to give me stumped here. I wish I knew this question ahead of time. I'm going to... I'm going to have to... Uh, tough one. But I'm going to have to say the the Coppa, Coppa sandwich. Uh-huh. From a restaurant up the street here from our office. Okay. It's mm. it's an Italian sandwich that's mm. like very, very fresh and clean with arugula and like mm. it's a good lunch sandwich. Mm-hmm. And it just mm-hmm. comes with like it's just very clean and refreshing. And I know oh. I think I could repeatedly eat it. Yeah, it's got <laughs> like I I come from Italian roots, so it's got like your salami and et cetera, but it's also oh. got all these vegetables on it and grilled right. eggplant and it hits everything. Yeah. So <laughs> now you have an option. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right, let's move ahead. And what's your uh, favorite childhood memory? 
Uh, she's playing hide and seek in an apple orchard across from my house mm. with my friends, and also sneaking my first my first marijuana joint when I was like fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you probably you probably take that out of the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no comment, huh? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Come okay, on, yeah. Dean. <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't mind. I I think um, <laughs> unfiltered. This will go unfiltered. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Fair. I love it. Right. <laughs> Gotta get some laughs out of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last one for the rapid fire. And this is one question which is common to every guest because I tend to uh, check the curiosity level of my guests and it gives an yeah. opportunity in terms of understanding their thought process. What, what is one electronic gadget or the fantasy gadget that you would like to see or invent yourself? So say it again, a fantasy... Fantasy gadget. Fantasy gadget or an electronic gadget. Gad- yeah, gadget. Does it exist right now or am I making one up? It's a fantasy. No, you, yeah, fantasy gadget which you would like to invent yourself or see live in the world. Oh, wow. Ooh. Honestly, I don't know how good this would be for the world. It would be good, but it also could be detrimental. But the ability to literally like, like if I could, I'm in California right now. If I could press a button and be in Zanzibar in <laughs> in 15 minutes and go surf there, I would do it. <laughs> so I guess transporta- a transportation capsule. <laughs> yeah. Some teleportation kind of thing, like. Uh, yeah, I think similar to that, just yeah. like extra fast speed, right? Like, not hours, minutes right. to get anywhere. Minutes to get. Have you come across this Doremon door? Doremon no. cartoon? <laughs> okay, I think you have to try that. Uh, okay. Doremon, yeah, it's a very good cartoon. In fact, um, I've seen my kids uh, grow while watching that. <laughs> and uh, okay. at one point in time, <laughs> I used to also watch that uh, Doremon show. And there is one door. And normally, whenever you go into get into that door, you will yeah. visit any part of the world that you wish to. <laughs> that is Doremon. Door. Love that. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's great. Okay, yeah. Great, great rapid fire, Will. And with that, let's flip back to the mainstream. And before I let you go, one final question for today's conversation. What will be your one piece of advice for those aspiring to be an entrepreneur? Shit, I think the, the advice is exactly what, what I alluded to earlier about mm-hmm. expect failure, but turn it into into an arsenal of ammo to propel forward. Because mm. that's essentially every time, either on a personal level or on a business level, there's been some kind of you know dip in success. It always comes out stronger if you approach it the right way. And it doesn't mean it's an immediate. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean you're immediately taking what you learned from that dip on the next thing. It could be a year down the line, but... I think the experiences that are that are that are considered failures are just educational pieces, and you yep. can't let that um, that hit you in a way where it bleeds into any kind of positivity or or yep. just know that that's part of the process. I think uh, failure has something to teach, and it is not final and uh, yeah. and and not fatal. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Exactly. So yeah, great. And uh, any closing remarks on how was your experience with uh, the Guiding Voice podcast? Oh, it's been great. Rapid fire. We can do that all day. <laughs> I want to come. I want to come back on just for the rapid fire. <laughs> Let's do one. <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> you should start a spinoff of this. Just rapid fire podcast. 
<laughs> yeah i think that's a good idea <laughs> yeah for for all those impatient people and who need instant gratification yeah. i think uh, that's the solution yeah right. we live in a world of that so hey you yeah. might have a market for it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. good 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 idea all right so will thank you so much for joining me and uh, i appreciate your time and all the insights that you have shared uh, with our audience and definitely yeah. definitely i'm going to invite you again <laughs> yeah, yeah please i'd love to be on again thank you for having me it's been great take care <laughs> All right, thank you. So, friends, that was our episode with Will. And uh, before we move into the trivia section, here is a request to you: in case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app wherever you have tuned in from. Also, if you have loved this episode and found the conversation useful, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thank you so much in advance. Now, let's talk about today's trivia. Today's trivia is about e-commerce because I was inspired by. Will's insights about how they are partnering with Amazon and all other e-commerce businesses in terms of supporting some smaller businesses, and they have started their own venture. I thought I would talk about e-commerce. So let us talk about some cool stats that will give an overview of the e-commerce industry in general. You know, it is estimated that ninety-five percent of the purchases will be made online by two thousand forty, which is like seventeen years from now. and the e-commerce industry is growing 23% year over year and more than one third of american small businesses do not have a website as of today but in future every business will have its own web presence so that's all from the trivia perspective but folks in case if you have any entrepreneur who can inspire our audience please tag them on social media wherever you found this episode That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me, and do not forget to share your topic recommendations through social media or email me at theguidingvoiceforyou at threadgmail dot com. I'm your host Navin Samala, just a fellow professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make a difference in the lives of millions across the globe. Because I want to make the world a better place to live. Until next time, bye bye. See you all in the next episode with another amazing guest. <music>